Welcome back to another episode of Create Your Life with your host, Tessa Lloyd. I'd like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we meet today, the Wadarong people of the Wadarong Aboriginal Corporation, and pay my respects to Elders past and present. Hello, beautiful life creators. I have been, I would never normally talk about this, but it really just goes to show how much I want to be able to share these things with you over this podcast, because I actually don't know if I was made, if I was built (laughs) to understand the technology side of this. And I am not proud of how long it has taken me to set up my microphone properly to bring you (laughs) this episode. And, you know, I am proud to say that I didn't throw my laptop or microphone through the window. That hasn't happened yet. So it's all uphill from here, guys. Oh my goodness. Okay. Today we are getting real about mental health. I'm sitting here in my dining room with my cup of tea. I hope that you are sitting comfortably somewhere as well. This is a conversation that needs to happen. And this is a conversation that I support lots of other people to have as well, because we need to be talking about mental health and we don't need to be using the buzzwords and, you know, um, the superficial conversations about it we really need to get real with this stuff because it's um it's killing people and that's the matter of the that's the truth matter of the truth truth of the matter is that it is hurting people and it is taking lives from us and it is not something that we can blanket over with stigma anymore it's not something that we can deny as um you know as a scientific matter and it's not something that we can sweep under the rug because people are dying and loved ones are dying and not only that a lot of people feel like dying or a lot of people feel like their worth their life isn't worth living or a lot of people are questioning why they're even on this earth. And I think that's quite a common thing. And, you know, I know that I've been in that spot before. And, yeah, I, I think it's really important we have this conversation. So I want to thank you guys for tuning in today to listen to me riff on this a little bit because it's something that I am super passionate about. And you'll know that if you know me, even through, you know, social media, you'll see that I'm very open about talking about these things because they save these conversations save lives and these conversations connect people and these conversations give people hope so without further ado I'm going to dive into my personal experience with mental health um, you know in the past and then I'm going to have a look at my mental health experience in the present and what it will probably be like in the future I'll have a chat to you about some of the things that I've learned and the tools that I'm able to implement now um, coming from a place of, you know, knowing myself and accepting myself. And then I'm going to answer some questions that my, you know, these beautiful viewers have sent through. So firstly, I want to say thank you for doing that and contributing to this discussion. Um, Yeah, I'm going to be looking at answering your questions. So thank you for getting in contact. All right, beautiful people, I'm going to dive in and have a chat about my mental health story. So I grew up not taking into account mental health or, you know, another word that I like to call it is emotional well-being. So I grew up, um, you know, a sensitive soul who was quite intensely affected by things in her environment so I'm very sensitive to her sensory environment um 
I was quite self-conscious when I hit. So I was super chill little farm girl until you guys will have heard in the first episode where I introduced myself. Um, All of a sudden, well, it wasn't all of a sudden. As we grow and as I grew, I started to worry about how I was perceived. And I think that then coincided with getting sick with my autoimmune disease, which you will have heard in the first episode. Um, And I was a sensitive child and I was having a really hard time being sick with this autoimmune disease. And I didn't feel like I belonged. It was a combination of different things that were happening to me that I just wasn't processing or talking about. And I was a child. And I don't think that we, you know, we definitely didn't talk about it in school, mental health. We definitely didn't talk about depression or anxiety. Um, I was never thinking about the things that I could do to fill my own cup and make myself feel better. It was all about what can I do to fit in and or what can I do to feel loved or what can I do to feel worthy and like I'm doing a good job and I think that it all bubbled up and I in no way am the only person who has ever felt like this and I also knew even at such a young age that I was so much more fortunate than so many others around me, which I uh, sometimes think (laughs) added to it because as I'm sure you guys know, we try and hold on to that perspective that so many people have it worse than us. And sometimes that perspective is helpful and can pull us out of a bit of a hole, but sometimes it adds to the guilt of, oh, who do I think I am to be having a hard time with my mind right now? Because I have it so good, you know, I've got this good life why can't I pull it together? Um, So I had that element, but I do think that because of my autoimmune disease and because of little things that were happening, I got a dose of poor, of, um, you know, I got an outcome of poor mental health a lot earlier than some of the other people that I knew, or maybe I just hadn't you know, we weren't having these conversations. But when I was younger and when I got really sick and when I was taking those steroids that I mentioned in the first episode that made me feel really depressed and I just had, you know, um, this is not a poor me story. This is just what happened. But I like hadn't, I had no close friends then and I wasn't sure who I was and I had missed lots of important milestones as a child Um, while being sick so my mum took me to this um, group for people with um, chronic illness and it was called CHIPS it was called chronic illness peer support and there was all these other kids and it was awesome I finally met these people who understood what it felt like to be sick in a country town it was really cool Um, and my mum would drive me an hour there and an hour back on a Wednesday night to hang out with these kids because we were on a farm at the time and there definitely wasn't that sort of thing around. So we would drive to the nearest town and I would have these conversations and it was really cool. And on the way home, me and my mum would, you know, we'd talk about all of, you know, all of the things and everything going on. And I just remember like there was a period where I didn't want to be alive and I was 12 years old the impact that this illness had on me and the impact that the drugs had on my mental health was so big that I didn't want to be alive anymore. And I said that to my mum and I think, well, I can only imagine that's not what you want to hear from your 12-year-old daughter. And she, I think that upset her a bit too. But I was like, I'm not going to do anything, mum, but I know what it feels like to not want to be alive anymore because what am I living for? And, you know, I love you, I love dad, but I don't know what I'm living for at the moment. And that was probably my earliest dose of not feeling okay and talking about not feeling okay. And um, 
and it was actually a nice moment for me and mum because I was like I'm not going to do anything but I don't know what is going on here and you know if I could go back and tell 12 year old little Tessa oh my god you are gonna just have the best time and you're gonna meet so many beautiful people and you know you're gonna laugh until you nearly wet yourself and you're going to live in a lovely little house in the back and the sunshine will come through your back door and you'll be able to lay there in the sun uh, with your two puppies that you bought yourself and you know do all of these wonderful things in your work if I could go there and tell her that I would and then she would know what she's living for but I say this because I know what it feels like to not know what you're alive for what you're on this earth for and I thought that at a really young age um so I feel you and then anyway I floated on through high school as I mentioned in the first step floated on through high school floated on through the start of uni and I had not really come far from knowing what I was here to do or knowing my place or knowing who my people were. I was really just trying to figure things out. My next, my mental health became a, became a thing for me to talk about and became a, a challenge for me, um, consciously in 2015 and that doesn't mean that and I'm sure you sure some of you guys are in the same boat that doesn't mean that it hadn't been affecting me (laughs) and hadn't been affecting my life but I realized it got bad enough for me to notice in 2015 and it wasn't just issues that were happening I was like oh shit something's really going on here and the way my emotional well-being and the way that I perceived myself and my place in the world, because it's all so interlinked, had been screwing me over for a while. So, and that doesn't mean that I have no responsibility in that. You know, it's a um, it's a cycle. Your mental health and emotional well-being screws you over, and you then screw yourself over and screw other people over because you're just trying to work out what is going on um, and trying to work out your place in the world and just trying to feel better, you know. And when you don't have the resources to feel better, it's hard to do that. Um, so, yeah, in, when I, in 2015, I was an OT student and... I wasn't happy and I never really spoke about it and everyone thought that I was really happy but now that I'm sitting here recording this episode with you I know what happiness is and feeling peaceful and content and fulfilled and I just want to hug my 2015 year old self because I the way that I operated in the world was so different I had internalized this story that emotions weren't safe to be felt or heard or expressed. I had not come to terms with having an autoimmune disease. I put up with things in friendships and relationships and did things in friendships and relationships that I wasn't proud of. And... Yeah, and I'm sure you, some of you guys can resonate with this, that when you don't feel yourself what you truly know you could be, you operate from that place. And that's what I was doing. And what I was, the way that things were going on and the way that I was feeling just made me realize that something needed to change. So I was going through a period of trying to figure things out and in 2016 I got to a point where I felt so low and so confused and anxious that I would feel too tired to get out of bed or I would get too shaky and anxious when brushing my hair and 
my breathing would tighten a lot and my heart would be racing and it was being in a constant state of not feeling safe because when you're running from something or running from yourself or running from others you don't feel safe and it's hard to feel at a primal level physically safe or emotionally safe so yeah my it was affecting my relationship my um partner at the time was like what's going on and I had always been this you know on the outside the happy goofy person and I think my partner at the time well he had said to me I found it really hard when I couldn't recognize this person anymore um and then we were kids so we not kids we were 20 years old but neither of us had the resources to manage that in a relationship he didn't have the resources to um to support me emotionally which is like very very normal in relationships I think to um to not have to not know how to cope with someone when they're acting out of character or when they um aren't well mentally and I used to just find it so hard because it was like constantly reaching out for something that wasn't there and feeling let down which I think is all a part of the process and isn't a personal um you know is nothing against my partner at the time and and in saying that there were also so many beautiful moments in our relationship as well and in terms of my mental health that it almost believe it always almost made you believe that you didn't need to do anything about it because as I know now mental health comes in waves and when that wave would ease off I'd be like oh awesome I'm in the clear again let's go I'm good to go I'm back to being you know quotation marks myself but I was still running so I really did get to a point where I'm like all right this is hurting my friendships it's hurting my relationships it's hurting me and yes, I'm still a kid and being involved in things that, um, you know, that other people shouldn't be doing as well. But what's my part in this story? So I called my, um, I called my best friend, Bonnie, and I just said, I don't know how to get out of bed. I'd had a shower and wrapped my hair in a towel and wrapped myself in a towel. And I was laying in bed and I was like, I'm fucked mate I am at the end of the road and I wouldn't normally ask you this but I need help and that was the first time that I'd leaned into experiencing emotion vulnerably and expressing it because for so long I was just like yeah I just like don't care I just like, you know, I'm just pretty chill and I don't really experience heavy emotions. And like, meanwhile, I would like lose my shit at something small. So who did I think I was telling that story? But this is the thing is a lot of us do tell ourselves and our friends these stories. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm just like a very um, chill, spiritual person. And I don't really you know, I don't believe in this and I don't do this, this and this and love and light, love and light. And then, you know, the minute someone's triggered, the minute this person is triggered, then you see that side of them that you're like, where the fuck did that side come from? And that's where I think it's really important to, you know, delve deep and acknowledge and accept parts of yourself that you've been hiding for so long. Because that brings you to a place of reckless self-acceptance and it helps you to express it in a healthy way and it also helps people to know all sides of you so that you're not wearing a mask and so that you're not um, you know faking it till you make it so that you are showing up in the world in a really true way and yeah so I had called my friend she was like awesome not awesome, but great. I'm so glad you told me because I am going to help book you into a therapist. And I had my mental health care plan. I dragged my sorry ass to the GP and got my mental health care plan. Um, and then she called up and she said, my friend needs an appointment. <laughs> and she booked it in for me. And I 
we'll never forget that. And I know when we talk about it to this day, she's like, oh, it wasn't really that big of a deal. I just picked up the phone and dialed a number. But in that moment, that was the catalyst for things to change. That was the very first step. And that was the support that I needed in that moment to make a change. And she was like, all right, we'll get up and then, you know, dry your hair off and put some clothes on and we'll just eat some nice food. And so we did that. And, you know, I, obviously you don't just make the call and be like, oh, awesome. I've accepted that I have mental health problems and now it's all good and I feel better and nothing's ever going to happen again. It doesn't work like that. I went to, I started going to a therapist. I started, um, looking at what was going on in my relationship that was my responsibility and what wasn't um you know and looking at where things needed to be gracefully let go and then yeah things just started to happen from there I went to I'll tell you a bit about going to the therapist my therapist on my first session said to me I was so shit scared and I like I see therapists now and it's just whatever but at that first session, I was shit scared. And I know that a lot of you guys might have been or might be about going to see your first therapist. She was like, the most scary part of this is going to the GP to get your mental health plan. So kudos to you, tick that off. The second scariest part is your first session here. And I promise you, it's all uphill from there. And I was like, oh my God, she gets it. (laughs) Either she could see it on my face or she knows how scared all of her first client, all of her clients are who are having their first sessions. Um, and I just let out this sigh of relief, like, oh my God, okay, cool. It's normal to feel like this. And that was the first time I felt validated for my emotion as well. Um, and yeah, so I really started to talk about my Um, my autoimmune disease with my therapist and she was like whoa man like you missed a lot of important moments or you are in your uh, like um, milestones of yours were impacted upon because of your illness or this core growth stage was changed for you and that is something that you're still catching up on and I was like whoa okay yeah having an autoimmune disease as a kid sucked and even though there were so many people in worse off positions like fuck yeah it sucked it wasn't great it wasn't fun to to have that and you know um nearly die so that was a really cool process of someone holding space for my emotions and seeing me and supporting me and being on my team and I got to talk about you know, relationships, family, friends, things to do when I'm overthinking, things to do when I'm feeling too low to get out of bed. Um, you know, a big part of my anxiety was trying to, um, trying to control things or trying to anticipate things, you know, as a, as a coping mechanism or as a way to stay safe. So, you know, where can I just let go and let people think what they need to think and say what they need to say and it was really the first step of like stepping away from what other people were doing and saying and coming home to myself and it ended up being um you know my main piece of advice that I would give one of my friends who was going through a really tough time in a relationship come back to you like what do you want what do you deserve what do you feel worthy of like how do you want to live fuck what anyone else thinks fuck what anyone else is saying what do you want and it was one of the coolest processes of my life and I cannot recommend finding a therapist that you get on with um, and that supports you and holds space for you I cannot recommend that enough because what I needed at the time was that and it was very cool a very cool process to go through What else I did at that time was I started doing yoga, started painting. I actually left my relationship at that time because, you know, it had run its course and it ended up being a nice, kind, peaceful breakup, which was really lovely and really nice on the soul (laughs) and a heart that is always, you know, stressing about hurting people or being hurt. 
Um, I had taken a break from uni and quit my cafe job and I started um, working with people and then I went back to uni, really loved uni and all the while was just really navigating things like, so this takes us up to 2017-18, I really started navigating difficult conversations and I started to say no to things I didn't want to do. I started to become more intentional about who I spent my time with and I actually just did things for me. Like I really started to look at what do I want to bring to life in this world and what do I want to create rather than oh, what's going wrong and like what's happening to me. It really started to be this internal locus of control of you have so much privilege and you have so much ability, so, so much capability, mm, excuse my poor English, um, to, to tackle these things and to do something really cool with your life. And that started to change things for me. So yoga and art were my little saviors. And then choosing people who came into my life was a savior. I started to prioritize my time. And I started to, yeah, see all these wonderful people arriving in my life. And I really loved that. I think my top tools at that time were learning to spend time with myself, learning to self-soothe my emotions, learning to be vulnerable in my emotions, and then also knowing when an emotion is an emotion and doesn't need to be, you know, broken down and doesn't need to be analyzed a lot. Sometimes emotions just need to move through us, be acknowledged and moved through with either art or movement or a conversation with a friend or a conversation with yourself through, um, you know, self-talk or, you know, journaling. Yeah. And, and I hadn't started working as a mental health clinician or anything there, but yeah, it, it did broaden my horizons in terms of understanding mental health. And I think it's important to say too that, so when I started seeing, oh, probably a year after I'd started, mm, actually, do you know what? I can't tell you the timeline, but it was after I'd started seeing a therapist um, and was implementing these tools and things like that. I actually said to her, I just, I have this feeling that I have no foundation to work from and, you know, I'm trying these things, but I'm just at this baseline level of anxiety that, you know, that I, like, I really want to learn these tools, but where, how do I take a step from there? And I actually, and I need to be more open about this and I have actually rarely told anyone um, apart from my close circle, and that is because of stigma. This stigma exists, and there are still people in my life who talk about this with such a, you know, such hardcore views on it. But I started taking um, antidepressants when I, you know, was at my lowest, and oh my god, I was on the tiniest dose. And it changed my life. And I can see why people have views about medication as a crutch and when people aren't doing the work. But I tell you what, I rarely see people on medication who aren't doing the work and who aren't getting vulnerable and into the arena and making huge fucking changes in their life. And maybe that's just the people that I'm seeing but I think it's really important to remove stigma around number one, mental health, but number two, taking medication if it's really needed, because that gave me the foundation to learn so many skills. And I tell you what, if we're looking at building ourselves up, that was my base level. And then it was like, boom, acknowledging my skills, interests, qualities, you know, my unique experiences and my unique hopes for the future it all was built from that solid foundation of, okay, I'm feeling physically safe enough to learn this. I'm feeling physically up to doing this. Let's go. And, and I did, and I really, and I continuously do, put in the work to learn new tools so that I am not a victim in my life, so that I am 
a creator of my life and consciously making choices about how I live it. And medication has been a really, really important part of that. Um, And I actually feel a little bit sad sitting here telling you that I have not told, you know, the wider circle this until now. And that's because of stigma and stigma adds to shame and shame is fucking dangerous. And the people who are often projecting shame don't understand or are hiding behind something anyway. So yeah, that's my big admission for the day. And I I just want you guys to know that it's normal if you feel shame around that because we live in a society that shames fucking everything, let alone things that might be correlating with weakness, quotation marks weakness, which is fucking untrue because if you are taking a stand for your mental health, that is the opposite of weak. That is courage. And if you are being vulnerable, you are showing courage. Anywho, I popped out the other side of 2017 and 2018. And by then I'd, you know, come out of the closet, was creating my business and, you know, things were going along really well, living with the loves of my life in a house. Um, But I tell you what, the one thing that I have realized is there is no secret land that you can get to, unless I just haven't discovered it, but this is my personal um, journey. There was no secret destination to get to where you never feel those emotions again or you never feel down again or you never feel alone again. They're natural human experiences and no matter how far along my path I got, I still feel these things and I still need to manage these emotions and these feelings and these thoughts and behaviours and triggers because it's natural Conflict is going to exist and emotions are going to exist and we cannot be packaged up in this perfect little beige, um, you know, ribbon to be these perfect little people. It just doesn't work like that. And I think that's where acceptance of the normal human experience comes in and normal human emotions comes in. And my current... So uh, the program that I'm running, Rising Minds, takes everyone through a four-month process of navigating self-knowing, self-acceptance and self-empowerment. And what we look at there is really what I started to look at when, you know, when I wanted to dive a bit deeper into the things that triggered me or the, um, the things holding that were holding me back. And so I'm just on a constant journey and everyone is a constant journey of of learning about myself and accepting parts of myself and empowering myself with tools to navigate my own mind. And, you know, emotions is just such a solid part of emotional well-being. It's all in the name, right? Um, I think it's super important to be able to name the emotion that you're feeling, name it to tame it, acknowledge it, and then do something helpful towards that emotion. So that might be having a conversation about it, but that also might be going to the gym and smashing out a huge workout or going to yoga and flowing through it and letting it move through you. It might be journaling it or it might be taking a huge deep breath and doing some breath work. Um, There are so many different things we can do other than repress it or numb it. I want to say that again, there are so many other things to do other than repress it or numb it. And I think it's important. So my current journey is I'm like a sensitive soul and I work in emotions. So I, what I'm currently working on with, you know, someone who I'm working with on this stuff is not living so far into my emotions that I let them guide my life because I'm quite in tune with my emotions. I'm like, okay, what are you feeling, Tessa? Yep, okay, let's sit in this and um, let's process this and um, you know, do something with this and learn from it. 
but it's been a big process of trust to know that sometimes emotions are just happening and they're reflecting our current state at that current moment and sometimes they're nothing more. Sometimes they do not need analysing. Sometimes they do not need breaking down and sometimes they don't need fixing or an outcome. Sometimes they just happen and that is a part of the surrender and the trusting process for me to feel to feel an emotion, to acknowledge it, and to, when it's needed, let it go. And then be discerning in when something does need to be done with it or processed or expressed, as opposed to, okay, there we go. There's that story that's coming up. You know, that's what you're making this feeling mean about you. And awesome. There's your narrative playing out. I got you. I got you. And I hear you, little Tessa. You don't want to feel scared. You don't want to feel um, alone. You want to feel loved and accepted. But I've got you. And I know that you're trying to keep me safe by hiding me from the world or by convincing me to stay small or, you know, just sit down and shut up. But I've got this. I'm a grown ass woman and I can do this. So that is my current. Uh, my present mental health journey is self-soothing my own emotions, reaching out when I need to and not going so far inwards that I actually pull away from people and uh, to not let my emotions guide every single thing that I do to learn how to let some emotions move through me and accept them for what they are, which is an emotion at that very point in time. So that is probably the... uh, the process that I'll be navigating for the next, um, the next, well, for my, the rest of my lifetime and for my next lifetime is, well, maybe I'll be wiser for my next one, uh, how to, you know, how to really trust that I can sit with emotion, sit with pain, sit with fear and still live a beautiful, conscious, intentional life anyway. How can I coexist with the messier parts of myself and know that I can still live a good life, a great life? Okay, I have some questions here from you guys about mental health and I want to, um, this might be a bit of a longer episode I'm thinking, but I want to answer them for you. So I'm just going to quickly get them up. Firstly, thank you so much for answering them for me. I mean, answering them for me, asking them because that shows me that you guys are up for learning about these things or up for for change, which can be scary. All right. What are some ways to connect with my body after disassociating is one of the questions. So... As an, so I'm a mental health occupational therapist and a big part that I incorporate OT into mental health, well, that we all do, mental health OTs, is to look at how the environment can be used in a positive way to impact your health and well-being. So there you go, OTs, there's your definition. Um, so for disassociation, it's all about bringing the person back to the present and a really great way to do that is with sensory tools. So really intense sensory input grounds you into the present moment um, and brings your nervous system back to a state of being where it needs to be uh, rather than disconnecting you from reality. So how can we bring you into your reality? Um, So You know, really uh, extreme cold water is a great one. I know that a lot of the clients that I have worked with who might be like I've worked with clients who have eating disorders who often experience disassociation and they'll have a really cold shower to bring them back down to earth because when they um, disassociate, they can often engage in self-harm behaviours. So when they feel that coming on, they'll have a freezing cold shower And that is snapping your body back into the present moment. Um, So it's really looking at how can you use intense sensory input to bring you back into the present moment. There's different smells, you know, you can um, smell lavender, I know brings people back down to earth, suck on a cold icy pole or hold on to a cold icy pole. 
lots and lots of different sensory tools, but that's something for um, you to look up because as an OT, I could really <laughs> dive down a rabbit hole there. Um, yeah. And another thing is sensory tools bring you back into the body. So looking at how can I connect with my body rather than hanging out in my mind. How do people come to realize or how might people come to realize that they are struggling with their mental health? Well, I guess it's different for all of us. Um, I have a list of the things you know, this is me just trying to be proactive about my <laughs> my healthy and unhealthy mental well-being. Um, I have a list of signs for me personally that show that I'm acting from a state of stress or that I am acting from a place that's out of character for my true self or my content, peaceful self. So if I'm withdrawing an excessive amount, um, that's a sign for me. If I am super sensitive, that is a sign for me. What I might do is read out some of the signs that I'm not acting like myself, like my true self, and I'll see if you guys resonate with any of them. Um, if I am caring excessively about what other people think, if I am making comparisons, if I am detaching myself from others and living very in my head, um, another one is if I over-conceptualize things. So if I'm think, think, thinking instead of leading from the heart or being in my body, um, my friend can often, my beautiful friend Jess will say, mm, I hear you, but you've overthought that one. If I am over-concerned with doing a good job or doing the right job or being a bit of a perfectionist, that's a big one. Um, if I seem highly strung or intense, if I'm people pleasing or saying yes because I feel like I need to if I am over so I'm a sensitive soul and always will be but if I'm oversensitive um, and taking everything too personally that's a sign and if I am having times where I'm just really you know down and withdrawn and a little bit like Eeyore <laughs> You know, I was like, it's okay. I guess it doesn't matter if I'm like that, um, which I rarely am now. But if I ever am like that, I'm like, well, okay, something's going on here. We need to come back to our tools. We need to, um, you know, do something to shake off this uh, energy and mood. And or do I need to bring in more self compassion and empathy and be like, it's okay. You can feel like that. That's okay, but. Just know when the time is to, to um, take a chance and implement some tools. Okay, so there's some signs that people might be having a bit of a rough time. Okay, so I've answered quite a few of these. So it's got resources, tips, um, personal journey, how to get the confidence to be open about it in the workplace. So I think this comes down to what feels good for you being able to hold yourself from a place of self-worth if people don't understand because we actually we can do what we can to try and help people to understand our point of view or to understand things sometimes people don't though and that's okay but what do you need to communicate in order for them to understand and what do you actually want them to understand and why do you need to communicate it to the workplace? Is it so that they understand why you're taking a sick day or so that you understand, um, you know, that you're having a bad day? I guess my advice would be to try and figure out what you are trying to communicate to the workplace. And if it is just that you want people to be in the know about your mental health, personally, you know, I've been open with, oh, I'm just having a bad mental health day. And the world that we live in needs to be okay with hearing those conversations, right? There is no shame in having a bad mental health day. And they happen all the time. And I tell you what, beautiful, you're probably going to change the workplace culture in a positive way if you openly say, oh, bad mental health day. 
It's okay though, I got this. I don't need anything. If you can just hold this space for me and support me in this, um, you know, that's all I need. I do understand though that it can be scary when trying to navigate other people's opinions about mental health, but it is scarier to not say anything. And I think we see this all the time. It is scarier to shut your mouth and not say anything until it gets to the point of overwhelm rather than being open about very normal emotions. The confidence comes from you accepting that that's a very normal process to go through. There are so many people who are having bad mental health days. It is so normal. Please remove that layer of shame and just inject a little bit of self-compassion and empathy into that because that will give you confidence. All right, we've got coping mechanisms and what tools you can navigate when you're having an off day or when everything is going well. So... (laughs) I'll hit you guys up with some tools and it depends on what works for you or what, um, you know, or what doesn't work for you. So just you choose. I personally think it's wonderful to journal, to listen to music, either soft music or have it really loud and have a dance around to shake off, um, shake things up, cook yourself a yummy meal And it's important to say that sometimes you need to start really small in terms of coping mechanisms. So just be discerning about what level you're at at the moment. And is it that you need to, you know, have a difficult conversation or is it just that you need to say no to that social catch up right now and have a bath? Um, Coping mechanisms. Gosh, there's just, there's a whole avenue. There's so many different avenues we can go down in terms of coping mechanisms. Um, I think it's super important to, like, this is just coming from an OT perspective, to have a balanced routine, incorporate time for self-care, have an appropriate self-care plan set up based on what soothes your body because not everything soothes bodies in the same way so we all have completely different sensory systems that like different sensory inputs so some people will love a hot shower other people won't some people will love punching a boxing bag other people won't some people will love meditation other people won't the list goes on um coping mechanisms day to day as opposed to when you're having a bad day, I would say is making sure that you have enough time off your phone, making sure that you have enough downtime, setting boundaries when you need to, uh, accepting emotions when you need to, and then processing and analyzing why what's going on is going on when you need to. Mm, The stock standard ones, make sure you move your body in a way that feels good and eat in a way that feels really good for you and gives you the nutrition that you need. Um, Find time to play instead of trying to hold down the fort and be serious all the time and anticipate everything and, you know, if I can just hold things down, I'll be okay. Find time for joy and play. Reach out to the people who are capable of holding you in your vulnerability If you want to and feel comfortable to, and I urge you to, if you are open to it, have a chat to a therapist about it. Um, Another, uh, I'm just going to do a quick plug here, but another one is if you want to, um, I'm running Rising Minds, which is a four-month mental health program which gives you all of these tools um, and lays them out for you and takes you through a real mental health journey of getting to know yourself, accept yourself and empower yourself. Um, So that's another thing you can do. There's also spending quality time with your friends and making sure that you uh, don't withdraw too much unless you're doing it out of self-love when you need to um, set a boundary and take some time for yourself. I think the key thing is in all of this is to show self-compassion and empathy. Stop fighting yourself and stop fighting very normal experiences and emotions 
and know that you are loved and you are worthy and you are safe exactly as you are and that it is never too late to start the journey towards healing and knowing yourself better and accepting all parts of yourself. It's never too late. I hope that's sinking in for you. It's never too late. And it's imperative and life-saving to do some of this work and know that it's so normal to do this work and it could very well save lives. It could very well support other people to save lives. All right, this has been a solid episode, guys. <laughs> yeah, I hope that this this has helped you think of the different things that might be showing that you need to do or could benefit from doing some work on your mental health and being kind and compassionate towards your mental health. And I hope that you, you know the person that you could reach out to when you are feeling like this or when you can tell that something's not quite right. If you guys have any questions about the program that I mentioned, Rising Minds, please, please, please get in contact via my Instagram, Tessa J. Lloyd. I talk a lot about mental health over there too, so there's lots of tools for you guys to um, to read up on. Yeah, I, I hope this is this has resonated with you all and I, I do just want to encourage you to be kind to yourself and know that what you're experiencing is very normal and just because you Google do I have anxiety and you don't meet the criteria for generalized anxiety disorder or ongoing depression does not mean that you do not experience issues with your mental health or experience issues managing your emotional well-being. Okay, just because you do not meet the criteria does not mean that you can't work on this stuff and change your entire life around. Just want you guys to know that. I hope this conversation has served you all. I have loved having this talk with you. I know that talking about mental health can feel really heavy sometimes, but it also can be really just open and normal and lovely as well. And I really want to be promoting those sorts of conversations rather than letting people hit rock bottom and being like, oh, well, it's time to go see a therapist. There's things that you can do in your day-to-day -day life to manage your mental health and, yeah, really change things up for yourself in a positive way. All right. See you guys. I'll see you in two weeks. Love to you all and keep creating your life. Bye. Bye.